the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the new generation of talk radio in the Bay Area. This is KNEW, AM and HD, Oakland, San Francisco, San Jose. Now, it's Rob Black. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. I talk a lot about money, and I can break down the money categories into things like the basics. I can break it down into investing. In, you know, in the basics of money, you got to start with a budget. you got to figure out that you have to invest, that there's taxes, that there's credit card issues, there's debt issues, there's insurance issues, there's retirement issues, there's real estate issues. There's what does your money do when you die? That's the basics of money. When you go into investing, it's, it's, it's all about stocks and bonds and mutual funds and exchange-traded funds and prospering in emerging markets and making sure you don't get too much exposure to emerging markets only to find out that they were unstable. You have to understand that there's a risk tolerance tied towards going for bigger growth, and you get bigger growth by going outside the United States. In the world of insurance, I think insurance breaks down into some pretty obvious ones, life insurance, home insurance, health insurance, auto insurance. Then there's some ones that aren't so obvious, like long-term care. What is long-term care? I think it's a woman's issue first and foremost. Now, why in the name of hell would I say it's a woman's issue? Why would I make such a sexist statement? My dad died 16 years ago. He's been dead for 16 years. Laying in his coffin, he's probably rolled over 10, 15 times in the last week of radio shows with all the dirty things that I say. So what's long-term care? Like, he didn't need it. My dad got cancer and basically died six months later. Actually, what happened was he had a heart attack. And then they found out that he had lung cancer, and they cut up his lungs. And then five years later, it came back, and he was dead six months later. So it was a pretty good way for him to go. I mean, you kind of knew he was going to die. He was kind of able to make peace with the people he needed to make peace with. Now, during his process of death, he didn't do a very good job of, of, of his money. When he found out that he had six months left to live, he should have like started dotting the I's and dashing the T's. He didn't. He made mistakes. It's interesting to note that bad time to make mistakes. They were costly. For instance, my father forgot to sign a life insurance policy with five months left to live. Now, keep in mind, with six months left to live, the doctor said, you will die in the next six months. He knew it. He had his death sentence. He knew he was going to be dead before January 15th. He knew his, his window, and he effed up and forgot to sign a life insurance policy. Would have made my mom another $400,000. He had a whole life insurance policy. So he had his whole life since he was a 20-year-old man. He paid for it when he was 20, paid for it when he was 30, paid for it when he was 40, paid for it when he was 50, when 60, still paid for it. 65, he forgot, boom, he died. That's why you don't need whole life insurance. My mom actually had enough assets from his other investments that she didn't need it. Whole life insurance is crap product, and it's sold to people by crappy insurance salespeople who don't understand what they're doing. They're hurting people. Now, here's the nice thing about whole life insurance is can get some of your money back. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? 
I'm going to spend money on a life insurance policy and I'm going to get money back. Only financial lame brains, only the simpletons. And again, this is sad and pathetic because it's a lot of you believe in whole life insurance. It's an awful product. When my dad died, my mother was, was well off because my dad had saved money his whole life. Don't need life insurance for a dead person at that point. You don't need variable life insurance. You don't need life insurance to act like investments. You don't need life insurance to act like a bank. My own producer, her husband, believes in whole life insurance. He's an idiot. Now, financially, or he's like he's like some sort of economic, ecological engineer. The guy could school me in ecological engineering topics. I mean, on Jeopardy, he would run that category on me. There's no doubt about it. But in money, I'm going to eat him alive because he doesn't get it. The best life insurance to buy is life insurance, and it's called term life insurance. And you need term life insurance for people that, that basically die early. That's when death is a tragedy. Death when you're 65 years old, it's a beautiful thing. Death when you're 75 years old, it's a beautiful thing. For the record, 90-year-old people, I think we should change some of the laws in, in America. If you hit 90 years old, you can steal anything you want. You can go into stores and steal. Because, come on, hitting 90 is kind of an accomplishment. I think we should let 90-year-old people steal whatever they And they should be able to litter. Because at 90, you just don't got time to find the trash can. You can't see it. Your hands don't work as well as they used to. You should be able to litter and steal anything that you want. And again, if, if let's say I'm a, a jewelry store owner and I, I own a diamond jewelry store. I think if a 90-year-old person could figure out how to steal my, my diamonds, good for him. And that tells me Darwin should take me down because I can't stop a 90-year-old person from stealing from me. That's my whole idea on 90-year-old people. Anyway, whole life insurance. You don't want it to be a bank. You want your bank to be a bank. You don't want it to be an investment like variable life insurance where it can go up with the stock market. You want your your stocks and mutual funds to be that. You want term life insurance. So let's say you're 30 years old and you marry your sugar booger. You love her. She's, she's sweet on you. She does good things with her tongue. Like you're, you're, you're happily in love. Now, in, in most cases, nah, I shouldn't say in most cases. Sexist comments strike it. But generally the man is the breadwinner or perceived breadwinner. Now, in this day and age, it's actually two breadwinners. You almost have to have two parents going out there and making money. And let's just use the example of the guy who, the ecological engineer, he makes $100,000 a year. And his sugar booger earns $20,000, $30,000 a year. Who's the more important one to that, that mortgage? It's the one who makes $100,000 a year. So if he dies early, you got to have some life insurance kick in because that, the person who's been making 20 or 30 and, and raising the kids... She doesn't have the same economic power as he does. Now, in 20 years from now, with all the money that he saves from not buying crappy insurance like whole life insurance and variable life insurance, she'll have a nest deck. She'll have a big bundle of money if he suddenly gets hit by a bus. But when she's 30, 35, 40, 45, she, has, she doesn't have that nest egg built up yet. It takes time. So long story short, buy term life insurance and invest the rest. I work with a lot of professionals in industries, CFPs, CFAs. None of them buy whole life insurance. No one that I know that works in the industry buys whole life or variable life insurance. I know people in the industry who sell the product to you because it's a huge commission. I find them unscrupulous and I think they should die. But I can't do much about that. I'd like to, but I can't. Um, So the best life insurance, term life. Now, earlier in the segment, I started talking about long-term care. My dad's been dead for 16 years. 
It's a good thing he didn't get long-term care because ultimately he just died. And here's the sad part. My mom for the last 10 years has lived in poor health. She actually needs someone to count out her pills for her. She can't do it herself. She can't tell if she's taking a painkiller or if she's taking a blood thinner. She doesn't know. She's had a couple strokes. Her eyesight's not that good. She can't remember if, you know, what she had for breakfast on some days. She doesn't know who the president is. It's kind of a funny statement, though, because you can go, do you know who the president is? You test your mom and she goes, oh, I know. But she doesn't have, she has no clue. It's, that's the way old people hide. They go, oh, I know. I'm a cagey old person. They, they bark back at you. Anyway, um, she needs long-term care. Now, fortunately, she has some. Otherwise, you know what it'd be costing me? Almost $60,000 a year. Or it'd be costing her, and I assure you, her money would run out in her lifetime. Especially if she lives as long as my grandmother lived. My grandmother had Alzheimer's disease for five years. Laying in a bed for five years. Do you know how much it costs to lay in a bed and have someone change your diaper every day? Have someone clean you because you crap yourself and pee yourself? Costs sixty to $100,000 a year. Your money goes very, very fast. That's why women, it's more of a long-term care issue for women than men. Women outlive men. My mom's outlived my dad by 16 plus years. 10 years hasn't been in good health. It's a good thing she's got some long-term care. Long-term care pays for people to come into your life for sometimes a set period of time and sometimes not a set period of time for your whole life. So it depends on what what policy you buy. And what other types of insurance are there? Home insurance. If you have a home, you get home insurance. Now, here's the kicker. You don't get it for what you bought the home for. You get it for what it costs to rebuild the home. When I recently bought a home, Geico and USAA, they were more than happy to charge me $1 million for a policy. Buy a home for $1 million, what are we going to charge you? $1 million policy. But I go, but my land's going to be okay. If my house burns down, I still have land. I'm pretty sure about that. And the land in California is seven hundred thousand, and the home's three hundred thousand. So I need home insurance for three hundred thousand. Interesting, right? Mistake that a lot of us tend to make. Auto insurance, holy mackerel! This is an important one. Up your limits on auto insurance, and up your deductible on auto insurance. This is one that 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 tends to get people in trouble. They don't have enough auto insurance. They tend to say, "Let's go cheap on it." They, they tend to say, let's use a cheap deductible because if I get dinged, I want to be able to have my new panel look brand new and it'll only charge me $100 for a deductible. You know what my deductible is? It's the highest one there is. Is it $500? Is it $1,000? I don't care. Give me the highest deductible. In large part, you're going to charge me less. I don't want to use my insurance. Insurance is there for a worst case scenario. Insurance is not meant to be used. And that's why it's messed up when people start thinking it's a savings bank. That's why it's messed up when people think it's an investment. Because you pay for those privileges. You pay for those riders. And it's expensive. It's not cheap. So you don't want to use your auto insurance. You know what I fear? I fear hitting a, a car of lawyers. If my car dings four attorneys, I don't got enough insurance. I fear that. Or how about if my car hits another car that hits another car? Suddenly those, those deductibles get eaten up pretty quickly. Well, not deductibles, but your, your limits on your insurance. So I have high, I have high auto insurance. I probably have too much. My brother David's an ambulance chaser. He's a great, great brother. Taught me everything in life. When my father wasn't there, my brother David was. Taught me about sex, taught me about women. He's, he's an ambulance chaser. He chases, you know, you get into a car accident, and he's there handing out his card. Anyway, 
he tells me time and time again how many families that he has to bury someone because they only had $100,000 health care. They only had $100,000 death benefit, and that had to go five ways. So everyone who died in an accident got 20000 You can't bury a person for, for that after you pay taxes. It's, it's humbling having a brother who's an attorney. So anyway, get the right levels of insurance. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Black Show. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Not sure what possessed me, but I just went on for about 10 minutes all about insurance, and I hope you learned something. God, I hope you learned something. Anyway, someone uh, sent me an email the other day and asked me, why the show has changed? Why, why do you talk more about your life? Why do you talk more about movies and television? Because I can't talk about money for two straight hours. I would be done after about five days. There's not that many topics out there. Now, again, I could talk about some of the, the daily news. Like, for instance, Santa moved from critical to stable this year in the retail. Weak start to the holiday shopping season, snowstorms, historically big shopping days. Retailers managed to survive. We saw some of the retailing numbers out there today, and ultimately we saw up about 1.7% increase in November and December compared to the period last year. Again, that's not very good. Those statistics lie. You lie. It's my favorite Obama moment of last year. I don't get what that guy was drinking, but I want some of it because that was a a moment. Anyway, the retailing industry up 1.7%. Now, that's a lie because last year, that's comparing to last year's numbers, and it was a horrible year last year. The results are good. They're not great. It kind of shows you stability. Stability. Sales in big retailing categories stabilized. Now, the definitive verdict on the holidays not going to be known until Thursday. What's Thursday this week? What is today? Is today Wednesday? Holy mackerel, the week's already flying by. I need another day off. I haven't had, I haven't had a four-day weekend in, oh, three days now. I need another four-day weekend or a three-day weekend. Don't we all? Anyway, um, so we're going to learn on Thursday, tomorrow. The big holiday categories fared pretty well. The apparel, not so good. Jewelry, up 6.9%. Now, who sells jewelry? Companies like Tiffany's, companies like Blue Nile. If you buy a diamond from Blue Nile, you're pretty ghetto. Just FYI, between me and you. Oh, I didn't know Heidi's diamond is from Blue Nile. <laughs> you ever look at Heidi's uh, ring finger and say, nice chip. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a diamond chip. Um, I'm, 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 where do I go with it? I know you're saying you're that much of a jerk. Yes, I am. It's just because I don't have an internal editor. It's not that I'm a. It's not that you're a better person than me. It's just that you have an internal editor. I was born without one. Also, I was born. I don't know how to tie shoes. In this day and age, we've ruined our children, don't you think? We've given them Velcro shoes. Kids don't know how to tie shoes anymore. They don't know how to swim either. We we when a kid goes into the pool now, they go in with a mask. They go in with a snorkel. They go in with water wings. They go in with a, a big dinghy around their their belly. Kids don't know. When I was a kid, they just threw you in the pool and said, figure it out or Darwin wins. Anyway, back to, to back to electronics up 7.3%. Big year for electronics. Now, who's that? 
Best Buy, right? Now, e-commerce sales up 17.7% year over year. Now, some of that was tied towards winter weather, so it probably can't be repeated next year unless we get a big winter weather storm. So that's telling me next year maybe e-commerce might be a little bit of a letdown. See how I think? It's always about money. So I'm going to poise myself to be a winner because I'm thinking about next year, not this year. Department stores down about 2.3%. Whoa. That's interesting, right? Department stores aren't doing so good. I laugh at times. I go, who goes into a Sears? Who goes into a Macy's? Who goes into a JCPenney's anymore? I don't know anyone. I, I needed a new dishwasher recently, so I, I bought it from Sears online. I love Sears. You know why I love Sears? Because they, inst- they basically will get it to you the next day and install it. If you go to Best Buy to buy a dishwasher, they're like, wait 17 days. And I'm like, I'll have dishpan hands. My hands have never seen a hard day's work. My hands are, are gentle and loving and, and silky and, and pillowy soft. I'd have dishpan hands if I had to wait 17 days from Best Buy. I know. I know you're saying, did he really just say that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Um, will that come back to haunt me? Yes, it will. William Sonoma, publicly traded company. Now, again, I'm just talking about retail, so let's talk about William Sonoma. Do you know the company? Have you ever been into a William Sonoma store? Do you buy your beer mugs from William Sonoma? What do you get from William Sonoma? You know the category, though, right? So let me pull up some quick information. Got to check my clock here. No one's calling today. You people suck. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Williams-Sonoma. Should I buy that stock? Should I not buy that stock? That's a good question. It's a company that does $3.3 billion a year in sales. It's not small. Now, again, holiday-themed tablecloths, big old wood bookcases, nice wood. They don't sell the stuff. They're not selling the Walmart stuff. Now, the snowman-shaped hot chocolate mug. The glasses that are stenciled with mistletoe. That's You get it at Williams-Sonoma, right? Now, it's time to put away the idea of buying Williams-Sonoma, though. A lot like it's time to put away your holiday ornaments. It's time to put away the idea of buying it. I think the stock should continue to be weak. Why? Earlier this week, I did a story about how Americans are making their dollars stretch further. They're still going out and entertaining. They're, they're, they're camping in the backyard versus camping uh, you know, in an expensive camp resort. They're not, they're not traveling that far. They're, they're, they're finding things to do, but they're, they're cutting their cost in the process. So we're staying as busy as ever. Williams-Sonoma has earned kudos from Wall Street. Management steered sales back from a disastrous slide, which was leveraged to the blighted housing market. Now, again, hmm, that's interesting. Remember the housing market? When the housing market's hot, people are buying stuff like glasses for their home, right? They're buying furniture for their home. They're buying kitchen, bedroom, bath apparel. It's a pretty well-appointed company. They got Williams-Sonoma Home, which is upscale cookware and furniture. They got West Elm, which is housewares. They got Pottery Barn, Pottery Barn Kids. So now I know who they are, you say. Pottery Barn. So I think the sales recovery is going pers- to persist. I think it's going to be a low-margin sales recovery. I think people are starting to freak out like, hey, I need a new coffee table, but I'm going to let this coffee table continue to go. For a couple more months, it's a little chin, uh, chin, dented up, a little chintzy. It's not so good. But I don't think they return to peak profitability until the housing market returns to peak performance. And we're a long way from that. Yesterday, I did a story on the, the Bay Area real estate and how there's 15 Empire State buildings 
standing empty with no offices occupied on the peninsula. That's a lot of real estate. That is a lot of real estate. Keep in mind, you could see, you know, an Empire State Building from San Francisco or San Jose if it was, you know, in Redwood City. It, it, that's you can see big buildings like that. So that's how big and how much office space we have that's just dead right now. And that, that plays out. That does play out in the housing market as well. So anyway, that's what I got. That's my Williams-Sonoma moment. I'm going to say Wall Street likes the, the recovery. Wall Street likes the management. I'm going to say it doesn't become a chug-a-lugger until the housing market becomes a chug-a-lugger. Another company very similar is Bed Bath & Beyond. Bed Bath & Beyond was a wild stock. If you go back to the 90s and early 2000s, look at that stock and it roared. Because every time you'd buy a new house or every time you'd you know, refinance your home, you'd say, let's get some damn pillows. You know, I actually buy throw pillows. I don't understand why I do that. I think that's probably the most feminine thing that I buy. Throw pillows. I like throw pillows. I like pillows in my house. I like throw pillows and I throw them. I'm probably the only person who throws throw pillows. I just don't sit there and look at them and say, that's a mighty fine looking throw pillow. I actually use them and throw them behind my head and throw them across the room and 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 use throw pillows. What other man could say that? 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. And from the file of, are Americans really that stupid? I believe we are. Yes, we are. Investigators in the Florida Keys, they lured a suspected marijuana grower into turning himself in. They left a ransom note in place of his six seized pot plants. So what they did was they basically saw these pot plants, came in, confiscated them, and left a phone number on the note that said, thanks for the grow. You want them back? Call for the price. So the guy, Stephen Lucasia, he picks up the phone. He calls it back. He offers $200 for the plants, goes to get the plants from the guy who stole them, only to find out it's the police. Wah, wah, wah. We are that stupid as a nation. And again, nothing wrong with growing your own weed. Nothing wrong with growing your own weed or your own tobacco. I'm all for that. It's organic, and uh, I'm all for growing your own. I don't know what that even means, but I don't know. I'm just going to internal edit her on. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. 9, 10 a.m. Putting the German 9 into 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Rob Black. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Three four five five six three nine to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred three four five five six three nine to get your calls on the air. Interesting angle. Remember how I keep? I'm I'm starting to use that as a crutch. I've got crutches. I know I do. Phrases and words that I use a little bit too often. With that being said, one that I'm using a little bit too often now is remember. It seems like there's a lot of tech stories right now, and, and I know there is. It's the start of the year. It's the, the gadget time of year coming out of Christmas and into January where, where they introduce all their new gadgets. But uh, yesterday I did a little piece on the death of music and how much music has left the music industry in the last 10 years. 
the CD industry's, you know, lost CD sales by 50% in the last 10 years. People aren't collecting CDs anymore. Worthy of note. Now, ebooks, it could be a potential nightmare for the publishing industry. Now, the music industry was the first one. Second one's going to be television. Third one's going to be publishing. I'm not sure if television beats uh, uh, publishing to the, to the fences fast, but books, they're, they're becoming a lot cheaper. And they're starting to be digitally distributed. And that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a big problem for authors like Stephen King. Now, Stephen King will be okay. He's the top of the top, right? Top 10 will make all the money. All the money. They'll, they'll be fine. They'll be taken care of. Amazon.com sold more digital books the day after Christmas than the old-fashioned kind. It was a watershed moment in the history of books. It's scaring the hell out of traditional publishers. Even though they make the same amount on sales of both kinds of books. They see Amazon's digital dominance as a looming threat to their business. They worry that Amazon's going to end up with the same kind of pricing power in their books that Apple has with music, and that the book industry will suffer the same kind of bruising decline. Now, one goal for publishers right now is to open up digital books to as many people as they can. There's a publisher called Hatchet. They're selling ebooks through more than a dozen partners, including Sony and Apple and small retailers like FictionWise. Now, by partnering with multiple outlets, they try to regain control. They're ultimately unhappy that Amazon has dropped the price of some new digital bestsellers to as little as $7.99 compared with $35 for the hardcover. That's a lot of money coming out of that industry. Now, Hatchet and Simon Schuster, they plan to delay the release of certain digital books for several months and trying to avoid undercutting the sale of bestsellers. They're giving away the family jewels. The bestsellers are what's killing them. Now, this is a fascinating discussion because when I went to college, used books saved my life. Buying a used textbook was a lot better than buying a new textbook. And when a teacher made you buy a new textbook, you'd send him the finger and go, F you, man. I can't afford a $200 textbook just because you want it. So now who's going to win here? The publishers of collegiate books are going to be huge winners. The Simon & Schuster's? Huge winners. Because on a digital book, you buy it and you're done. College books are going to... Digital publishers love them. Because Heidi takes communication 100. She has to go buy the digital ebook. Full price. She's done. She deletes it from her, her Kindle. Next year, Rob takes communication 100. He has to go buy that book. I don't get the used book anymore. So, and used books are powerful. I mean, again, if you think about it, it's not like used CDs. Uh, when you can buy a used CD for five bucks versus ten bucks brand new, you're like, ooh, let's do that. So used CDs had their kind of day in the sun, so to speak. Um, used books going to start going down. Now, Hatchet's selling ebooks through a dozen of partners. They're trying, and they're, they're trying to delay the best sellers. Publishers are typically paid about half the hardcover's retail price, whether it's a digital book or a hardcover. So a $35 book, they're still getting 17 bucks. That means Amazon's losing money. How is Amazon losing money? They're selling the book for $7.99. They're trying to get you to buy multiple books. They're trying to get you to buy older books that don't have the big payout on them. They're trying to get you to buy more stuff. They're trying to trust, get you to trust them. Amazon's been pushing you know, for booksellers to pay them less. A lot of publishers think cheap digital books will open the door to lower industry revenues. Amazon, for their part, saying overblown. They look at selling books and publishers as, as doing each other a favor. They feel that it's a relationship that's a good one. Now, several publishers, they're trying to reinvent their business before Amazon or someone does it for them. They're thinking very, very hard about the opportunities. Now, next year, for instance, Hatchet's coming out with a digital version 
of Sebastian Junger's war that will include video clips. Okay, that's kind of interesting. So not only do you have this book that's going to be all about Afghanistan, but the footage and some interview with soldiers are going to be included in the digital version. Now, HarperCollins is selling a collection of classics on the Nintendo DS hand gaming device. They're, you know, they're producing software user manuals. They're testing completely new pricing schemes. Now, instead of selling individual books, it's offering unlimited access to 10,000 titles for 42 bucks a month. So uh, the idea here is, is, to, is to push business models. People are interested in paying for variations on the standard book. They are. Again, I, I think that's the big thing that uh, James Cameron's teaching us. We're willing to throw down a billion dollars to see a movie. We're willing to say, we'll stop our lives for this event if you do something that's worth it, it for us. So the old-fashioned book, is it may have to go away. It may just have to go away. Now, um, will it be replaced with web? Will it be replaced with virtual devices? I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to watch. The networked book is what it's going to be referred to as the network book. Harlequin, 60-year-old publisher of romance novels. They started offering all their books in electronic form in 2007. Now they're experimenting with some new formats. For instance, one is called Spice Briefs. It's seeking to publish short-form erotica running 5,000 to 20,000 words as e-books. They're involved in publishing short digital prequels, and they're bringing in extra revenue to try to pump up sales. They're, they're going after young adults now. They're going after... You know, prequels, they're going after two ninety nine books to complement the big book. It's a pretty interesting idea. Electronic books account for about 6% of Harlequin sales at this point in time, and that's going to double. So you're going to see big numbers, and Wall Street likes big numbers, especially when you've got an economy growing 1% to 2%. Anything that's growing 6 to 10%, people are going to go, woo, woo, let's go after that. So anyway, it's, it's worthy of throwing it out there. Uh, the book delays, is that the best way for them to do it so that... You get the people, the for what they're trying to do, they're trying to copy the Hollywood model where they release the film in the theater and then three to six months later they release the DVD. So they're trying to delay the electronic form of which you would be able to watch it at home versus watching the movie theaters. Movie theater owners hate, they hate when Hollywood releases a movie on DVD the same day that it's out in theater. But we're moving, you know, that we're shrinking it. Why are we shrinking the window on DVDs versus movie theaters? Because when you shrink the window of that product out there for six months to nine months, comes out in summer, DVD at Christmas, that's six-month window, you get it? If you can shrink that to three months where it comes out on July and it's, it's on sale in August, September, then you, it, your marketing's a lot more effective. You could say, go to the theater or buy the DVD. So it's a lot more effective if you shrink the marketing so you don't have to remarket something as people forget, hey, The Hangover was the funniest movie of the summer, and now it's time to buy it Christmas. We forgot about it in September, October, November, but we needed those December commercials to tell us, go get that, 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 that movie, so to speak. Anyway, 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Florida is racing to save crops. Do you know how you save a fruit crop from weather? You actually ice it. Isn't that kind of a weird concept? You actually ice the fruit to protect it from cold. Very weird concept to me. There's some concepts that I just don't get, and that's one of them. But um, cold weather hitting the United States. Now, when it hits the United States, orange juice futures go through the roof. Not Now, who's an orange juice player? Pepsi, Coca-Cola. They're the big orange juice players in the United States. On top of that, when cold weather hits the East Coast, what happens? Natural gas goes up. Oil goes up. 
So weather, believe it or not, that hot weather girl that you watch on the news, she actually can play a pretty important part in your portfolio. 800-345-5639. It's Rob Black Show. 9, 10 a.m. 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Pretty funny conversation Heidi and I had during the commercial break. Earlier in the show, I referred to her diamond as a chip, and that's not very nice of me. I like... What should I say? How should I say this? The crap that the jewelry industry sells you with the color-cut clarity crap, it's crap. It's marketing. Most people can't see the flaws in a diamond that are are so widely found and, and expertly reviewed and sold to you. It's marketing. It's crap. One thing I love about kids today is they're moving away from materialism, and they're going with less. For instance, H&K, or no, it's H&M. It's H&M. Sorry. Got my letters mixed up. They sell super well-designed stuff with really cheap material. It's not meant to last six months. It's not meant to last nine months. It's meant to last a season. But it's cheap. So you can get more of it for less. You can get good design for less. I predict in my lifetime that diamonds will become blasé, that they will become not as important. I think they're slickly marketed. A lot like, for instance, God, I hate. You've seen the commercials. Do you really love her? Show her your love with an expensive diamond. Or do you love your kid? Do you want to send him to college? And and it's like a stockbroker commercial where you, you see the kid being born and then you see the stockbroker giving the kid a gift at, at, at his graduation. It's like, oh, I need a stockbroker. You're marketed this crap, and you fall for it time and time again. And they typically go after our heartstrings. You can manufacture a perfect diamond, a perfect stone for under $100. But people go on and go, I, I got the best cut in clarity. It's it's like they're bragging right. It, it's, it's your way of showing your woman that you love her. If you really loved her, a diamond lasts forever. A lot of things last forever. So you don't have to get the diamond. Am I being cheap? No, I'm not. I'm telling you that diamonds are the most overpriced pieces of crap on the planet. And for some reason, they're incredibly well marketed. So if you want something that's shiny and beautiful and reflects light, we can make it in the lab. You don't need a diamond. And you certainly don't need a diamond from Africa. 800-345-5639. Get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. So remember when I had the corner laughers in here? They're young people. I hope they convince each other as young people. Let's stop buying into this 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 crap marketing. Jerry in San Carlos. Um, hi. Hi, Jerry. I was calling to check out your advice on these um, uh, bank on yourself plans, which involve a term life insurance policy, which you blessed a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I my understanding is you have to be invested in it for a while though before you can start borrowing against it. Um, I don't like borrowing against life insurance products. Uh-huh. That's so, the, the theory is, is when you want to buy a car, you borrow, borrow the money against your policy. Save, and you pay, you pay yeah. yourself back instead of paying interest to a bank. Save money for a car. Uh-huh. I think you, if you're going to borrow from it, ultimately what you're doing is you're going to get hit with some sort of fee or some sort of extra thing tied towards it. And thanks for the call. Um, it's again, one of those well-marketed things. 
And if you just do a little bit of research on it, you're going to find that it's not in your best interest. Again, um, can you bank on yourself where you get a term life insurance policy, you need money for a car, save money for a car if you need a car. So that's that's the answer. Bank on yourself is a strategy, strategy, that's easy for me to say today, that structures life insurance. It's a structured life insurance policy. The policy owner can borrow from his policy but must pay it back with interest. It's not a great rich rich quick scheme. It's not. It's a way for the policy owner to avoid financing outside other sources. So I don't like it, though. Um, I think it's it's starting to get too fancy. And it's not a scam, but it's one of those th- situations that it's an option um, that I don't think you need. And I think you pay for that option. So I wouldn't do it. 800-345-5639. Now, I, I teased earlier in the show that Qualcomm could be the next Intel. Because Qualcomm's got the Snapdragon chip. And again, I'm, I'm going to do a tech-free show maybe tomorrow where I'm going to talk no tech. Can I do that? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Intel's position as the gateway to the internet, it's going to come under attack. It's interesting. NVIDIA's got a chip coming out. Ticker symbol NVDA. They've got a chip coming out in March, it looks like. That's going to have over 3 billion processors. Not 3 billion processors, but 3 billion... Um, uh, why am I dropping the word? Why am I dropping the word? Just move on. Anyway, um, NVIDIA's got the super uh, GPU coming out. It's a graphic processor unit, which will be able to actually run your operating system. And not just the graphics anymore. And again, a lot of people think GPUs are just for video games. They're not. They could be used so much more and much more creative. They're incredibly powerful, powerful semiconductors. So the question is, will anyone develop a platform to push Intel off the motherboard? So transistors, by the way, 3 billion transistors. So Intel's position is the gateway to the Internet. It's going to also come under attack because we're starting to get on the Internet in different ways. Phones, tablets, e-readers, netbooks. And they don't dominate each of those categories. Qualcomm, Marvel, Freescale. They're amongst the chip makers demonstrating new types of Internet devices this week at CES. The next billion users that are going to get on the web are not going to be connected by a PC. It's going to be a multitude of devices. It's going to be tablets, phones, e-readers, netbooks. This is a big story. Intel is the world's largest chip maker. They make more than 80% of PC processors, the brains of computers. It aims to use its Atom product, which runs laptops and netbooks, to break into chips for wireless devices, but they haven't done it yet. So right now, an increase of 14% or more for their, their catalog or their book of business would be about $46 billion. So rivals are heading for that money. They're wooing phone companies to use their chips. So who's a big player here? There's a company called Texas Instruments, ticker symbol TXN. While the PC is going to remain the main way for people to get online, portable devices, they're chipping away at that dominance. So Texas Instruments, big. Qualcomm's big. Freescale's big. Marvel's big. Arm Holdings, big. Ticker symbol ARMH. I tend to give the ticker symbols of the companies that I like. Qualcomm, Q-Q-C-O-M, eh, Marvel, M-R-V-L. I say, eh, Marvel. It gives you an idea. Now, reaching a billion. Remember when we used to think a billion was a big number? <laughs> now it's not. Heidi's waving to the, uh, the webcam. That's so cute. I hate our web people. I hate them. I hate everybody, I've decided. Um, by 2013, the number of phones regularly being used to access the web, it's going to exceed 1 billion people. So by 2013... Now, when you were a kid, 2013 was a big number, right? It ain't so much now. 
but that's a five-fold increase from 2006. So over the same period, the number of internet-connected PCs is going to rise to about 1.6 billion. So by 2013, we're going to have a billion people on the web with phones, and we're going to have 1.6 billion people with an internet-connected PC. So the push right now is to connect everyone and everything, and that's why we're seeing a plethora, a veritable plethora. I love the word plethora. It's a fun word to say, plethora, plethora, plethora. So we're seeing a veritable plethora of devices. In terms of sheer numbers and usability, you can't really compete with a handheld. Now, everything migrates to mobile. The Consumer Electronics Show, also known as CES, it's going to reveal which phone chip makers have made progress persuading computer and consumer electronic companies to use their components. Now, again, 10 years ago, Qualcomm chips weren't ready. Now they're ready. So the Snapdragon is state-of-the-art, top-notch. Freescale is going to demonstrate similar small laptops that are out there with their products. Marvel is going to introduce products with their processors. Apple Tablet. Who's, we're, we know that we're going to sell a million tablets next year. We already know that number. Now, Apple, they're going to make the tablet. It's going to be called the iSlate, so we hear maker of the iPhone. They're planning to unveil a tablet this month. Now, again, Microsoft and HP are going to reveal a tablet this week. They better get it right. Smartphones offer the right mix of processing speed, low power consumption, and touchscreens, making them easy to convert into internet devices. Now, a touchscreen smartphone is actually a small tablet PC, so we already know this. Research in Motion's BlackBerry, the time for the tablet devices now, now, because we've seen the success of these small tablets, but they're too small, they're phones. Now, in October, Marvell released a new line of chips called the Armada. I love the names of semiconductors. It's, it's who comes up with these. Now, these products can run fast enough to bring PC-level computing to e-readers and tablets. Now, internet devices have previously failed to catch up on, with the consumers, in large part because the chips were either too slow or they drew too much power. But no. Not Newton's law, but Moore's law has caught up with the semiconductors and really boosted their evolution. Now, Intel CEO Paul Ottolini, he plans to demonstrate mobile devices. Everyone's going to do it in the next week. This is a huge story. The next billion people are going to be on, on small devices, not big devices. Intel's challenge is pushing into phones. They haven't done it. Phones obviously are going to create. You have to use less power-hungry chips with similar performance. Now, the company's rivals of Intel's on the phone side, they're trying to gauge how quickly it's going to happen because Intel has dominance. Intel has uh, semiconductor equipment. They got their own factories. Now, some companies are fabless, not fabulous, but fabless. That means they don't have their own fab. They have to send their chips out to Taiwan to be made, typically Taiwan Semiconductor. Um, does a lot of the manufacturing for fabless companies. Fabless companies have higher profit margins, but they control costs not as effectively because they ultimately have to outsource. Now, Intel's a smart company. In the next couple of years, they're going to have the same type of power and the same type of performance. They're going to catch up with all these players. But right now, there's a land grab, and there's going to be big sales for Freescale, for Marvel, for Qualcomm. Now, electronic book readers fueled by the success of Amazon's Kindle, you know, that, that's a whole new, that's another million devices. Microsoft, want, Intel wants that. This market's going to double for several years, the mobile devices market. I'm not saying we're back in the days of, of glory, glory, hallelujah.com, but tech's the right place to be right now because of the, of the mobile push and because of the enterprise push. You're not seeing a big cut. So anyway, three Democrats, two senators, one governor are going to retire. 2010 elections kind of underway. 
It's an election year. It's going to heat up. I'm trying to get Meg Whitman. I'm trying to get Meg Whitman on the show soon. I've had all the other Republican candidates. Democrats, they don't want to come on the station. I don't understand why. So it's not like I'm mean or nasty. Um, oh, yeah, I, I forgot I am mean and nasty. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, uh, 2010 election. It's going to be interesting because Democrats are starting to feel the pressure, the heartburn of the economy. And incumbents, a lot of them are going to get voted out. So Congress may not be able to get as much done next year as this year. And Wall Street likes that. That's another reason Wall Street can rally. If, if we get gridlock, Wall Street can rally. 800-345-5639 if you want to call in now. Wait 22 hours. I'll be back tomorrow. I think I'll be back tomorrow. I may not. I, I may just decide to take a day off. I'm so frustrated right now. Ah, oh, frustrated. Ah. Oh. I gotta go to the restroom. 800-345-5639. I need private time. It's Rob Black Show, 9, 10 a.m. More stimulating talk. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.